Welcome to another episode of the Exhale Podcast, a candid conversation about current matters relating to respiratory diagnostic and lung health. Your host is Mark Russell, Marketing Communications Manager for Vitalgraph US, a global leader in respiratory diagnostics. Today, we interview Dr. Christine Sapienza. She's a Provost and Senior Vice President of Academic Affairs at Jacksonville University. She specializes in voice, respiratory muscle strength training, swallow function, and neurodegenerative diseases. We discuss her book, Respiratory Muscle Strength Training, a clinical guide. It's intended to provide clinicians with the background information they need to understand respiratory muscle strength training, otherwise known as RMST. Well, Christine, welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you, Mark. I appreciate being here. Please give us a little bit of background on yourself, education experience, and what you're currently doing now. Well, thanks so much. I'd love to. So I'm a speech pathologist by discipline. That means I went to university. My university of choice was University of Buffalo, and I obtained my master's and PhD there and didn't really do as much clinical practice as I thought. I went heavily into research and in that vein, spent about 20 years in my career at the University of Florida right after graduating and uh, organized a lot of uh, level one research and mentored 16 doctoral students. Then I went on to Jacksonville University. I served as the dean of the Brooks Rehabilitation College of Healthcare Sciences, and now I'm still at Jacksonville University serving as the chief academic officer and the provost. Well, great. So what is RMS or respiratory muscle strength testing? Yeah, so lots of folks refer to it as RMST or respiratory muscle strength training, and it's really a protocol that's been around for a long time based off of what therapists in the past were doing in physical therapy using strength training protocols basically to take advantage of how skeletal muscles adapt when they're overloaded. And in, in most common scenes, that would be using a weight to strengthen, let's say, an upper limb or a, a lower limb. And so what respiratory muscle strength training is using those same principles of weight training, if you would, but really focusing on the muscles of breathing primarily the inspiratory breathing muscles and the expiratory breathing muscles. Can you tell us the kinds of diseases that would need an RMS test? Absolutely. And so it's it's not really an RMS test per se. It's really an RMS intervention. So certainly you can evaluate a patient to determine whether or not their respiratory muscles are weak. And I think that's really what you're alluding to there. It's a great question. And those patient populations, if you think about it, cover a whole large, you know, longitudinal age span, really. I I think about it from pediatrics all the way to geriatrics. Any condition where the muscles are weak, and so what might come to thought in a pediatric patient might be somebody born with a congenital disorder like a muscular dystrophy, all the way to an older individual who's just normally aging. And what happens in normal aging is the muscles get weaker as we age. They start to lose their muscle mass and they begin to to lose their strength over time. But then on top of the normal aging process, any of us can be struck down with a disease process that could be chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, that could be multiple sclerosis, that could be Parkinson's disease, that could be ALS, And there's a whole host. So really, when you think about the continuum, it's any condition or disease that is doing something to weaken the strength of your muscle systems. I have a side question for that. When it comes to certain diseases, are you looking for MIP, MAP, or SNP, one or the other? 
Yeah, that's a great question as well. So it really depends on what you're assessing. So you're going to use a MAP or a maximum expiratory pressure to determine how strong a patient's expiratory muscles are. Likewise, you're going to use a MIP or a maximum inspiratory pressure to determine how strong somebody's inspiratory muscles are. And then the, the SNP measure is really something that is done through the nose, and it's another form of testing somebody's inspiratory pressure or a relative measure of somebody's inspiratory strength. So the MEPs and the MIPs are done by mouth, and the SNP is done through the nose. Are there risk factors for pneumonia with respiratory muscle weakness? Thanks for the question. When you have respiratory muscle weakness, it's not so much that you're at risk for pneumonia. When you think about overall muscle weaknesses, and this is what I try to train clinicians, think of all of the muscles associated with your body that are skeletal. So of course that includes your inspiratory and expiratory muscles, but it also includes your swallow muscles and the muscles that are helping you do things like control your lip movements or control the movements of your mouth. And people often forget that those are skeletal muscles too. So what sets people up for pneumonia is this disorder we call dysphagia or disorder of swallowing. And what we have found is that when someone is doing expiratory muscle strength training, we can cross train the swallow muscles at the same time and strengthen those. So actually people have been using expiratory muscle strength training to intervene and improve skeletal muscle strength of the swallow muscles. But to the point of your question, pneumonia is gonna coincide with any of those diseases that we talked about that have those weakened skeletal muscles of the airway. And the intervention we want to turn to is RMST. So it's not really the muscle weakening causing the pneumonia. It's the muscle weakening causing the swallowing disorder that then may allow penetrants or aspirants to get into the airway that then causes the pneumonia. Thank you for letting us know that. I know that with COVID, the Duchenne muscular dystrophy was one of the scary factors that was happening and became common term for a non-medical professional out there. So what was the respiratory care for someone with Duchenne muscular dystrophy? Well, it's an important factor because, you know, Duchenne's is something that can be really debilitating and it's one of the conditions where there's a tremendous amount of muscle weakness. So when you look at the literature, many people that have studied this condition, there's been two sort of schools of thought. One is well, be careful, don't involve them in too much training because you don't want to damage muscle that's already very, very weak, which you can do if you are overloading the muscle too much. Some of the more recent literature has shown that inspiratory muscle strength training is very productive in patients that have Duchenne's. And a lot of the work that's come out of Duke Medical Center has shown positive effects with inspiratory muscle strength training to help them be able to breathe better, to be able to Im improve their lung function and reduce the amount of carbon dioxide that's being retained in the lungs. So as I said, the, the recent literature is proving to be promising for utilizing IMST or inspiratory muscle strength training for that particular condition. So tell us about exploratory muscle strength training or EMST. Right, so expiratory muscle strength training, just like inspiratory muscle strength training, use devices. And these devices 
if you were to look at them, would, would basically be something that you would hold in your hand that would be like your mini weight machine that we described for, you know, strengthening an arm or strengthening a leg. What's inside of these devices is a one-way pressure relief valve. And so what's different about these devices is that valve doesn't open unless the patient meets the pressure that you've set in on the device. So again, I do a quick analogy, just like you'd put a pin in a, in a weight machine and you put that pin in at 20 pounds, unless you're strong enough, you can't move that weight, right? But you create enough force and eventually you move that weight and then you do reps with that 20 pound weight. It's the same analogy for an EMST device. You are gonna dial in a certain amount of pressure in centimeters of water. And when the patient has the ability to meet that pressure, that valve will open, allowing that person to allow the breath to go through the device. So uh, the simplest way to put it, Mark, is it's a weight machine for your respiratory muscles. And again, they have them for inspiratory and expiratory. So they're calibrated. You can dial in the pressure that you want your patient to achieve. And over time, you can increase that pressure and the person becomes stronger and stronger as the intervention weeks go on and on. It's amazing sometimes when someone goes for months of training and you see their baseline improve. Conversely, as the aging population deteriorates, you sadly see how their function is reduced. But we have options that can help this population. That's the key. You, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there is you can't go to a gym, right, and, and ask for a weight machine that's going to be there to strengthen your diaphragm, right, or strengthen right. The, the muscles of your swallow mechanism. But it's easy to do if you want to strengthen an arm or a leg. And so it really left patients with debilitating diseases no way to strengthen those muscles. And with these devices and the manufacturing of these devices, we're in a whole different landscape. In fact, the literature on RMST has been logarithmic. The number of clinical trials, the number of patient groups that are being tested, assessed, and treated, uh, really since I would say the late 1990s, early 2000s, it started off just a, a spattering. And now it's uh, one of the most well-studied techniques out there on the marketplace with regard to intervention for these types of diseases. Can you tell our listeners where they can purchase or download it? Sure. There's a great publishing company that I've worked with for a long time, pluralpublishing.com. And that would be the website to go to find the book, type in the title or type in my name as an author. And there you'd be able to find the book for purchase. I do have one more question before we go on. Spirometry is a portion of baseline testing. How important do you feel that spirometry is with the disease population we were talking about earlier? Yeah, very important because spirometry you know, to your point earlier, is really a way for us to help assess the condition of somebody's respiratory system, particularly lung function. That's what spirometry really targets in. And so we need to be able to do that assessment with spirometry so we know what kind of impact there is on such things as lung capacity and such things as whether or not the lungs are maybe not as compliant as they used to be. You know, lungs are stretchy and they, they're, they're passive and they need to be compliant and pulled by muscles. And so when you're looking at disease processes and looking at a patient's ability to force air in or force air out and how fast they can do it, spirometry is the tool that you need to be able to measure all that. Well, Christine, this has been fascinating. Can you add anything else? What's the future of respiratory strength training? What do you see on the horizon? I think the 
future is very bright. I think we're going to see more of these devices in the hands of clinicians. The clinicians are teaching their patients how to use it as a, as a home health therapy program. So I think we're going to see more and more studies. We're going to learn more about the dosage and the frequency and how often one needs to train and how long they need to continue to train. And then, you know, I have a life vision here that someday I would love to see respiratory muscle strength training be used as a tool for those traveling in space because zero G is going to have and does have deleterious effects on skeletal muscles. So while all the folks there at NASA are are helping to strength train the the limbs, uh, we need to be doing something about our swallow muscles and our breathing muscles. So I guess if I had a a wish. I'd love to see uh, respiratory muscle strength training being used as a preventative tool for space travel. That's fascinating. Yeah, especially on the cusp of NASA starting to look at travel back to the moon and possibly onto Mars. We're going to have long distance travel. It's probably important to make sure that the the strength of your respiratory muscles are still well in tune after, you know, months in space. You know, if you can't breathe, and you have a negative outcome on your breathing either while you're there, but most importantly, when you get back, that's going to be a real critical dysfunction. So uh, maybe we'll get uh, someone to pay attention to us after this podcast and let us know how we can implement it. Let's hope so. Speaking of being preventative, I think it would be great if we would do some sort of respiratory testing during uh, a routine physical peak flow, FBB1, or something like that, I think we are missing out quite a bit. It, it's such an easy screening tool, right? I mean, you it, it's such an easy screening tool, and it is something that we could identify if, if kids had airway limitation or some other muscle system problem that we'd be able to know, you know, right off the bat before they even start. And you brought up peak flow. That's a really easy measure to do, great screening measure. Coming from the manufacturing size, I can tell you that we work closely with nurses and pharmacy schools across the country trying to get those practices put in their curriculum. We're really looking forward to expanding that out throughout the United States. Yeah, very smart. Love it. Well, and, you know, to me, just to add a little bit more uh, with our air quality diminishing, I feel that, you know, we're going to have to have some sort of testing to make sure that it's not affecting us in long-term situations. And and if it may affect our muscle strength, and who knows? That's another good point. There's so many applications here. And and like I said, it really wasn't until the early 2000s that people started to really attend to how we could strengthen these skeletal muscles that really didn't have any other tool in the toolbox to do so. I think your work is is great. I, I, I really enjoyed being on here. And I Look forward to getting to know more about your products and and your work as well. Why don't you tell us a a little bit about your book, Respiratory Muscular Strength Training Theory and Practice? What inspired you to write it? Thank you for letting me have an opportunity to talk about the book. What's inspirational, I I think, is, is A, all of the work that's being done by great clinical researchers. I spent 20 years with a number of doctoral students and colleagues studying respiratory muscle strength training. I wanted to put a book together that would talk about those experiences. I wanted to write something that was able to be read. It made a lot of sense. It wasn't such high-level reading that folks would have to spend a lot of time sifting through the literature for their answers. And then I wanted to work with my colleagues from all over the world that had experiences using RMST and have them talk about it and share those outcomes through 
multiple cases. So it's really a compilation now of, of all those cases and different researchers that are well-respected, putting it all into one place that a clinician can read. So for me, it's, it's really my life's work with the contributions of colleagues who have continued this work and continued to motivate this work through a variety of different patient groups. Wonderful, Christine. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on this podcast. Great information. I've learned something. I think that this will be a great program to talk about, and hopefully our listeners will enjoy it too. Thanks so much. I really appreciate being on. You've reached the end of another episode of the Exhale podcast. Don't forget to follow us for upcoming new episodes and recommend this podcast to friends and family. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again on the Exhale podcast podcast brought to you by Vitalograph.